0: No, oh, and I called it poison, bit a poison capsule in her mouth, killed her with a kiss. Oh, I called that.
1: Did Ugh. you think that was fitting, though? Did you did that ending work for you?
0: 100%. No, the reason I called it was because it's the perfect ending. Mm. It, it is, isn't it? It's the whole dig two graves thing. Well, it's, and,
1: it, and it's perfect, too, perfect. because it kind of redeems Ainu, in a way, because the whole point of that is that she's still not as bad as Lady Chun. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh
0: it, it is weirdly redemptive because it really does show that Chun's just that level below what Ainu is. Ainu did something... I mean, like, because Ainu's vengeance is brutal. Like, she didn't, she didn't fuck around, all right, at all. Like, she murders the hell out of everyone that's wronged her. But in so doing, she exposes this forced prostitution ring and saves a whole lot of women. She avenges the death of a, of a guy that, that gave his life for her. I mean like and even like when she is meeting the architect of all of her sorrows after she's done the killing blow laying there dying she's not gloating it gives her a little parting you know her farewell kiss because like there was some kind of genuine element to her love and it it really does finally show that yeah ayu is actually better even though she's she's grisly and then ultimately doomed it's a perfect
1: ending perfect yeah, end. i i i would agree um And, uh, and so, yeah, so, so I don't know And what, what were your thoughts on things like the fight choreography and, uh, well, we'll start there. The fight choreography and like the fight sequences and things like that.
0: Fight choreography had a real impact. I mean, there's no fight in this movie that isn't like, uh, a a little gut wrenching, you know, like they, they kind of go for, they go for the low blows. They go for the, the gore and it's not like really like over the top gory Mm -hmm. again, like you know, you'd see like in Kurosawa where like looks like hit tit and then just arterial spray. Um, but like the, the scene where um, the mute hero dude is dying, it, like it, it's a long scene and there's a lot of really good fighting in it. Like the choreography is really on point. You're, it's really believable. Uh, and it's, again, it's, it's beautiful. So th- there's like a clear skill and really good cinematography and the sets they're going over are, are gorgeously realized. And, having all those elements like those contrasting elements of that like brutality. Cause he's like slowly losing this fight and he gets again, like ripped to shreds and like mutilated until he dies. So it's, it's hard to watch, but it's also beautiful to watch. Um, that's pretty unique. I, I haven't really seen a lot of movies that do something like that. So uh, high marks, really high marks. Really. I, I see why you are into this movie. I also like I was reading, um, I picked up my copy of Ogre's Gate after this movie almost immediately and I was like flipping through there um because you've been you've been getting some products out lately uh, and, and you've been letting me uh, see them early and it always gets me in the mood to run that game so I've, I've been very low on gaming time recently uh but it's like that's top of my list for the next thing I want to run all the time so uh so I was really getting to see like what in the art and in like some of the descriptions of the attacks I was like man Intimate Confessions had A huge influence On Ogre's case
1: Yeah Oh no Definitely It definitely did It definitely did Choyuan in general And Intimate Confessions Like there's There's a um, There's a character That's clearly modeled After Lady Chun Do you know what I mean yeah. And
0: Which, I mean What a, what a great character mm. uh, Really ooh, The character work In this movie Is real good
1: yeah, I, I I agree. I agree, and and also, I mean, it's a significant movie too because it it deals with with you know lesbian characters, and that's you know nineteen ni, you know the early seventies, you know nineteen
0: seventy two. It is front and center. Like they don't make any bones yeah. about it. They are not coy. It's like, nope, she is in gay love. They are gay lovers. They in are fact, having gay sex. They're doing the big
1: gay. I'm curious when the Vampire Lovers came out because that is the other movie that it kind of reminds me of whenever I watch it. So that was nineteen seventy so i have oh. i really have to wonder how much of an impact that had on this film because the vampire lovers i mean it's a different kind of movie it's a vampire movie but it's <laughs> it's like i i think it was like the first like there was like a spade of lesbian vampire movies and i'm pretty sure the vampire lovers was either the first one or like the first important one do you know what i mean the first yeah, I big one
2: out.
0: dracula wasn't the First vampire movie Nosferatu was but Dracula was the big vampire movie
1: and Nosferatu is still basically Dracula but um, <laughs> but uh, filed off Dracula. but uh, but yeah so I, I have to imagine that that had an influence on this movie and you know you, uh, and so you know but still I mean you know 1972 for you know you know movies from this area and in this time and in this genre it's 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 a uh, It's notable for that reason. Um, It's
0: it's a big deal. Like it's it's very central to the to the plot. It's it basically informs the motivation of the main hero and the main villain. It is a whole thing. No, whole piece that. What did Uh, you
1: think? Oh, go ahead. I I interrupted you. I don't want to.
0: Well, I was thinking um, there was a trans character in one of the early movies that we watched, and that was another one where I was like really like staggered.
1: Probably swordsman 2 yeah, too. that there. was the '90s. There was kind of a lot of that kind of stuff in a lot of the Hong Kong movies in the '90s, um, you, you know. But but you know, but this just seems even more surprising to me because it's so early. So but like, early. yeah. But like, uh, what what did you? Well, first of all, I, I should mention it looks like we had a little bit of a hiccup in the recorder, so we might have lost some of the early uh, early portion of the recording. If we did, I just want to reiterate here that we're talking about intimate confessions of a Chinese court is on a Chou UN movie from 1972. Um, and, and hopefully most of the discussion has been uh, caught on the recorder. It would be tragic but, to have lost well, there were, I was fiddling with my mic and I think that might've caused a hiccup. Um, Cause my Ooh, yeah, mic switched off.
0: Mics enough tonight. Like, yeah. I was messing with mine earlier and almost destroyed it. Yeah. Uh, so,
1: but we're just <laughs> going to march on because it's been like you, you uh, the people listening have no idea the, the stuff that has has led up to where we are right now, like it has just yeah, been this. The,
0: these last few months have yeah. been such a drain on yeah. Brendan and on me for totally
1: different reasons. Yeah.
0: So here's the thing: we actually recorded the intro to this beforehand. So I say, worst comes to worst, we just smash these two together. I don't think
1: like, no, because I wasn't even coherent during the. I don't even remember. Doesn't matter. Like, like when we were recording it, I had no idea what you were saying. So. It was, um, uh,
0: I basically just said what I What I said just then My opinion has not changed on the movie uh, I think I did it more eloquently this time uh, If you lost it I'm going to choke you
1: but No I'm I'm sure I still it. have it somewhere Because I mean it's on the it's You know the way this software works Is it tends to preserve those things But but anyways uh, You know j- just in, ca- in case the, the, the Front end of this got cut off I just want to make sure people Weren't terribly confused What we're talking about um, you
0: re- like Record the video of this I look bullish in this right now Yeah so you somewhere. do
1: No you you do um, so, so, so anyways, uh, I, where I wanted to go though is, is, uh, is to, is to touch on the revenge plot and what you thought of her, you know, just, just how she planned her revenge and the things she did. If you, you it know, was,
0: it was weird seeing the very first seed of Kill Bill getting planted, you know cuz it's exa- it's like it's staged exactly the same way as in kill bill you know they show the like the money shots of the bad guys doing the bad stuff i won't go into the details like you know what happened we mm-hmm. all know um and then like one by one the movie's about her picking them off
1: Yep. no that's true it it, it does kind of have that sort of vibe and uh it's it's almost like
0: a it's almost too structured you know yeah. Well, like there's not really a ton of surprises until they get to the torture chamber. There's not a ton of surprises. That one I liked quite a bit.
1: I mean, one of the things they do that is it's it's the thing that makes it sort of a little bit of an exploitation film, but it's also important to making the movie work is that the 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 reason for her revenge is you sort of have to endure what she endures at the beginning of the movie. Do you know what I mean? And it's really horrifying. It's not it's not easy to watch. Um, but it makes the revenge plot that much more satisfying when it you, does. when you get there.
0: The movie knows that it's, it drug you through the mud too. Cause it lingers on like some of the comedic elements or some of the, um, the, the really satisfying, like stomp the worm and under your boot heel kind yeah. of revenge moments. Like, uh, it was that guy she sets on fire in his house right in front of the constable. Like, that was such a satisfying kill, and it wasn't even like a kung fu kill. It was really just like, it was really like a spectacle for the audience. Like, look at this fat pig die. Burn, you fat bastard. Yeah, a uh, lot
1: of her kills are really just kind of clever. They're not even, they don't even necessarily involve, like one, she has that other guy essentially make love to death, right? She oh, she keeps yeah, getting him to take true. aphrodisiacs and all that. You know, it's it's, it's all really sort of cleverly staged, Kills that'll keep her from getting in trouble, essentially, um, you know. And but but I but I think you know as as rough as the movie is to watch, I, I do think those scenes all benefit from from yeah. how yeah. unflinching the earlier portion of the yeah. film is.
0: And the, the thing is, they know when to pull the camera away. Like this isn't like irreversible, where it just lingers on the stomach churning the shot. Yeah. No, they they don't do that. They're like, nope. You get the idea, audience. Yeah. We're gonna move on. we yeah. just moving along, right along. And like the great thing about it is that it it again it does that, which is a courtesy to us as viewers. But it also like treats the subject with a lot of gravity because it does a kind of a clever and media res thing where it implies what happens and then it skips ahead in time to her being in her cell and like kind of just being there, like really stone faced and clearly dealing with some emotional turmoil and then we get the flashbacks that give us little like vignettes of like what, what happened. And then she like breaks down and starts weeping. And it's really heartbreaking to watch that. Cause like you get that she's just been like just emotionally destroyed by this and it's treated with the proper gravity. So we, we as the audience really sympathize with her and we really hate these assholes. We want to see him get gutted and we do it, it delivers. Um, uh, that I and like as dark subject matter was I thought that was really well done like again I'm the kind of guy that's watched shit like reversible irreversible so I've seen as bad as it can get you know I've seen that kind of chaos reigns Serbian film make your mind implode from the horror of its stuff so I appreciate when a film has a little more courtesy for me as a viewer than that and doesn't want to like put my brain to
1: a meat grinder that's nice of it thank you so uh (laughs) And so I guess you would you would also mention you wanted to talk about gaming content this time around. Yeah, we gotta so, got gamify this. So because uh, I, I we've we skimmed on that a little bit, and I was like, that's
0: kinda that's one of the two pillars though. We only have the two.
1: So did this give you any ideas for games? Were you were you did you discern gameable content in the movie?
0: Yeah, they use a lot of like potions and elixirs and poisons, I noted in this one. And like I, I'm always fascinated by those. Not necessarily like a, a Potion, potion. Because I think that, um, like, a lot of the, the it compensation. It's like herbal
1: things. remedy type stuff, right? It's like yeah, yeah, and so medicine.
0: Can, like, make as i like, down to D If a fighter could make it, that's what I'm interested in. Like, okay. I, I get that a wizard can brew a magic potion, and a lot of like the discussion of like doing stuff like this in role playing games is dominated by like so we we still sort of live in the shadow of the 3.5 crafting system where like, there's this complex and not necessarily fun or intuitive system that's internally consistent and balanced, for lack of a better term, but it's very wrong-headed in terms of actual gameplay or something that you want to do in a game. And I think that a lot of RPG design sort of still sits in the shadow of that. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I don't want that so much in a crafting system or, or in a system that lets you make like a poison capsule you can put behind your tooth and then kiss somebody with when you're dying to Mm -hmm. kill them. Uh, That, you know, like, I don't feel like you need magic to make that happen, or like a certain number of levels of a class, and then you have to roll, and you have to get the, you have to know a certain poison spell, nah, come on, don't don't do that. Let me gather the herbs together and read the manual of poisoning so I can do that. Okay. I, I want something that's just a little more intuitive for it. Um, and it's the same thing with the aphrodisiac stuff. Like, uh, the, actually, that particular scene reminded me a lot of the, uh, the House of Paper Shadows thing where it's got the, the blood
1: honey. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the blood, I, you know where the blood honey comes from, actually, is a movie called uh, Blood Parrot. And I don't... Parrot,
0: like, parrot, like... Parakeet, parrot, kind of thing? parrot,
1: yeah, yeah. In fact, let me um, let me just pull that movie up now because who's uh, in charge of naming these movies, man? It was um, well, it, it's a it's a good. The, here's what <laughs> I'll say: the combination, and and it might be bloody parrot, it might not be um, uh, blood parrot. I might have the name wrong, but uh, but the the title the title convinced me to watch the movie so so they were doing something right um,
0: I I mean like I almost can't not watch it now you know because so I got to know like where's the parrot coming but like I've I've seen enough of these movies at this point that I'm like there's not gonna be a parrot fuck you fuck you title the,
1: no there sh- is there is a parrot in a way in the movie um, but but the point that I was making was there's an aphrodisiac in that film that gets used. Uh, but it has a lot more of a like in this film in in intimate confessions the aphrodisiacs are like legitimate aphrodisiacs he's basically taking like medieval viagra right in in that mm. scene uh, this one turns your skin blue you look like a monster and the reveal after after the horrific transformation is that it was just an aphrodisiac that put this person into a sexual frenzy but it looked like they were just going crazy and attacking everything so it's a it's a really weird horrific scene and that's where the blood honey came in so the blood honey was i kind of stripped out the sexual element and just turned it into like a a violent sort of a thing but kept a lot of the but kept kind of the visual of it do you know what i mean
0: so, yeah, the, the picture that goes along
1: with it rules. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a real I that that that, so that that picture was inspired by Bloody Parrot. That was, uh, but but I, but either way, it sounds it sounds like you're thinking in terms of medicines and various.
0: They, they, conc- things, I mean, like there's even a part where they're putting like uh, what was it alum or something in bathwater. Like they're, they're, I don't know. There's something about it. Like there's a lot of it in this movie But they're like poisoning people or giving them drugs or something. And I don't know. Uh, another thing that was interesting is that they're running a business at the core of this as a sort of a money laundering scheme or something like basically they were bandits and then they're like let's go kind of legitimate so that we don't get hunted down by the cops Uh, that's interesting that's something like you don't it's one of those things that like it serves in, in a lot of games as like, oh, that's part of the, the story of the adventure, or that's the backstory, or that's my backstory as a character. But rarely can you construct those things within a game. They're, they're actually kind of complicated, because you, you sort of have to have like the assumption of how a society works and like where you can wedge yourself into it with certain actions before you can make that like a, a, a tangible thing in games. And
1: I get, so, and you're saying, like, in most settings, you don't have that enough knowledge I, of the society to...
0: I think when most people run games, I found, like, they really... Like, it really is almost like a video game, where, like, the idea is that you're going to go and fight the bad in the place. Like, okay. they, don't, they don't do the sandbox style like you and I do, really. And um, I, I think it makes us... Kind of sound like weird aliens if, like, if you came from like you just learned fifth ed like a year ago and you're crazy in a critical role and you stumble randomly on our podcast and and you're like, what are they talking about with the with the hexes? Like, I really think that there's a gulf between how people play RPGs in in the popular sense and like the way that you and I would run something, but that's
1: that's always been the case though, like, um, you know, I, I mean. Number 1, I I've been gaming since I think 1986. And so I wasn't in the very beginning obviously, but I was, I was in Or in 1986. Huh? Just to give you
0: some just to give you a reference of how long you've been gaming, that's my entire life. Well, I, was I I was
1: I I was born in like 76, so it's not, you know. You were 10 years old. You you were you were a little boy, but yeah. still I um, was unborn and you were
0: like D&D.
1: But I've experienced a lot of different sort of versions of mainstream RPG play. And number one, that always changes. That, that, you know, right now we're we're kind of going through like you could say like a critical role phase. But, you know, when I started, things were a certain way. And then in the 90s, they became a certain way. And then 3E came out. And then that kind of kicked off a whole new style of play. And I would say that just going by memory, the critical role approach feels kind of similar to maybe some of the stuff that was going on in the 90s approach and yeah, and i feel like there was
0: vampire the masquerade vibe to it i felt like it's much more theatery
1: well well just in the sense of where story was very important and things like that and then when 3e came out there was a little more emphasis i mean it really varied from group to group i think but but i do remember there being a lot more emphasis on encounters a bit of a return to the dungeon because the dungeon was kind of neglected in, by people in the 90s a bit. Or or maybe look, I mean, there were dungeons and people did dungeon crawls, but the, the game was kind of uh, f- focusing more on setting and on uh, story-driven modules and things like that. Um, though they did again, they would have dungeons, but it just felt like the dungeon wasn't front and center, and it wasn't it wasn't something that was ex- people were expecting in a lot of the campaigns I was in. And yeah. then when three E oh. came out, it kind of made the dungeon okay again. Do you know what I mean? Um, but but I, but but I guess all I'm saying is th- there are these mainstream styles of play that are always going to be present, and the style that we play in is a style that we came to because we were just unsatisfied with what was happening in the mainstream at the time that we were playing, you know? So like, that's, that's kind of always going to create a gulf. I think there's always going to be, uh, I don't know, like different fringe wings of the hobby that do different things. Do you know what I mean? And do them in yeah. different ways. Like there's a, there's like a story game wing of the hobby and they oh, yeah. also don't really mesh with the, the critical role Approach, yeah, and there's a always, you know,
0: because I see them as similar, but like they're they're not really like if you actually get into like I, I started following uh, Paul uh, Sega on Twitter, and he's the guy that did um, My Life Master and Clay That Woke and a bunch of other stuff. Like he's he's into the story game wing and stuff. I actually really respect the guy. He he's a really cool, interesting fellow. It's unusual, but he's a very interesting designer, and his games are really fun. By the way, Play That Woke, although you do need weird tokens and a wooden bowl to play it. Uh, still has a, a very unique charm to it that I highly recommend uh, but yeah like he very strongly disagrees with the whole critical role thing and has a lot of points of contention with it and uh, it's it's weird to see that because like he has well realized counter arguments and disagreements with the way it uh, manifests
1: I mean my thinking on this is I don't particularly gravitate towards the critical role approach um, but that's how a lot of people are playing the game now and they're not really going to have any desire to come to what we're doing or what he's doing unless they have a problem satisfied with it. Yeah. Like yeah.
0: that's the thing because I've played like that before I've played in games like that. And the reason I don't play them and I avoid them is because they are unsatisfying to me. Mm-hmm. But if like, that's what you want, you're getting it.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you're not going to, you're not going to say, Hey, I have this problem that sandbox game will solve. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, and, and it's funny cause I, I have met a lot of people that, that are sort of in the critical role, uh, mindset. And they're just not interested, you know, I mean, everybody's different. I'm sure some people, you know, just don't know about sandbox play and when they hear about it, maybe they'll be interested. But most of the people I've met that I've talked to, they find it, uh, just too difficult to run or just not intuitive enough to what they want or it's a big departure. Yeah, I, I was flabbergasted when I encountered Sandbox Play. The, I really had no idea what the, the hell was the, going the on. St- the structure really doesn't seem to, to gel with a lot of them. So uh, my, my, my feeling is you kind of have... I prefer to do the soft sell on this sort of thing. I prefer not to to really push it hard on people and be like, you know, this is the way.
0: Hey, I, uh, you know what? I actually run it like a board game. Like whatever I, because I I encounter a lot of critical role folks, and I'm like, hey, do you want to try the my preferred systems? I I like Adventure Conqueror King is like my default that I go to, and it's it's basically Beckney, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's basic, it's basically basic. So I'm just like, hey, look, try this. Roll three d six in order, choose a name and a class, and then let's just go. Let's just give it a try. It'll take Mm -hmm. like it'll take you ten minutes to make a character. I'm going to put you in a dungeon, and I, I just want you to try to. Do what a person could do and don't think about your class abilities so much. And I have tons of success with that. Because when you play that way, you have a different mindset. You're not thinking about like, oh well, what's my character's backstory? Where do they put where do they fit into the story the GM is trying to collaboratively craft with us? Like
1: all and on.
0: And it's you are focused on the immediacy of I'm in the middle of a dungeon filled with monsters, I'm a torch is running out. How do I solve that? Problem. It's yep. a very different kind of mindset. At the end. Uh, so that's my sell with it. It's just like, just try it. Just try it out. It's one of the reasons I give my games away for free right now is because a they're not done, and and b like try it, give it a whirl. I'm a pretty capable writer and game designer. Try my stuff. What what's what's actually? Uh, Ventures the guy, the Chalt guy. Uh, started following me on Twitter and downloaded my game and gave me five bucks for it. As far as I can tell. So uh, thanks, Vinger. That was an interesting compliment. Um yeah. <laughs> it's, it's weird. I keep interacting with relative bigwigs in our in our little corner of the hobby, and it's, it's always like I, I follow General uh, Jacques on Facebook. We're like Facebook friends. She's really cool. She's well, she's awesome. She's always doing stuff with minis.
1: One of the cool things about the hobby is that you can have those interactions with other designers. Do you know what I mean? Because it's it's such a um... I don't know. It's a small industry, so it's like you know, there's not they're, they're not being drowned. They're not being drowned in emails and stuff. I think so they can they can field, you know, comments and things like that, and you get responses. Um, you know, i've I've had a, I've had some good interactions with like James Louder. He's more of a novel writer than a you know than a game designer, but um, but he wrote Night of the Black Rose and stuff like that. And, um, you know, you you can you know you can kind of. Pick people's brain who who you respect in the industry, you know. So Ooh, that's always wonderful like this,
0: this podcast that we do. I think we started just because we had we exchanged a few messages on a forum. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, hey, do you want to join my podcast? And I was like, okay. And yeah, I forget.
1: Back. Yeah, I'm trying to remember exactly what happened. I, I remember that. I,
0: I, 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 of time. So,
1: <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So um, okay. So so we have. Those elements. What about um, what about using this as a villainous organization in a campaign? Would you have any hesitancy to do that? Because it is a, you know, it is a, for, for in modern terms, it would be like a sex trafficking organization. It is. This is
0: sex trafficking. Yeah. Like, if you just use modern nomenclature, yeah. it's the same process. So, okay, so I'm of two minds about it. Number one, if it's a backstory element, then okay, Or if it's a, we need to stop this, and I just kind of describe what's going on without getting into, like, gory detail. Oh, you know of this ring where they're basically forcing women into prostitution and, like, torturing them and all this stuff. I'm like, oh, let's break that up. Okay, great. Uh, th- okay, that, that gets an easy pass. It gets harder when it's like, okay, you're captured by them as a female character, because I don't want to yeah. put you through the scenes that this movie was clever enough to cut in a way that it was digestible to an audience yeah i I get the difference
1: between are you are you putting an end to this organization from the outside or are you or are you in the torture chair yeah yeah i've seen
0: torture scenes and like dark games before and the the critical thing about them isn't that they're hard it's that they're boring because you don't have any agency if you don't have any agency as a player what the hell are you doing in the game you know yeah yeah. Uh, it's easy to put them in a jail cell and say you can't get out, and like that's kind of what you'd have to do, and that would be dull at best. And like I don't want to do that. And then even worse than that, I don't want evil, like evil characters, like role played by my friends to start something like this. Yeah. Because okay. like I'm uncomfortable with like even in a totally fictitious setting, then being like, yeah, let's make a prostitution ring. That'll be great. We'll we'll for we'll. we'll steal women from from poor families and force them to prostitution like that would be the point where like i'd be like scoot away from the game table like guys are we is this something you want to happen in this game holy hell this is past my limit
1: i mean i think i think this is one of those things where you kind of have to know the group and like my comfort level would be running this as a villainous organization um where the stuff would be present in the setting the players would potentially be rescuing people that have been kidnapped by it and you know that's obviously stuff that not everybody is going to be uh happy with as content for a game but i think that's fairly playable um you know i, mean, I, th- I think that's you know there's a level of betting with your group with yeah. that
0: but i mean you play with the same people long enough you you, you know yeah
1: you know uh it, I think the other the other avenue that you're talking about, I probably wouldn't want to run it. That like that would kind of not be my cup of tea. Do you know what I mean? Like that, because uh, I could just see so many areas where it would go wrong. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's for, a, but it's for different. the right group, it might work. I don't know. I just I just wouldn't particularly again, want to you run extract that.
0: Extract it enough where it's like because like say you ran it in Acts like this was like how you decided to do like you were a mm-hmm. thief and this is how your thieves guild worked. The abstraction in acts is that during downtime you'll get some GP that represents all the economic activity and that's it. Okay, like look, whatever. Whatever fluff you want to put on that, if you don't go into too gory details or expect us expect us to add it out. Okay, you got some XP from illegal criminal activity. In this case it was prostitution and forced prostitution, so like slavery and prostitution. That's dark, granted, but it's so abstract. I mean like at the end of the day, you add some more gold to your character sheet there's not a lot that changes okay fine but like again you're almost opening the door for people to go like okay i want to be involved and role play like mentally breaking some of these these newly minted sex slaves well i think and at that think,
1: point <laughs> no and i i think i cuz again i i don't i mean i used to run crime network a lot and that's like a you know mafia game that we did and that that one you know, you did have sex trafficking. It wasn't called sex trafficking. It was called um, human trafficking. In the uh,
0: yeah, they kind of softened it a little. I, I
1: forget. I forget what we called it. But, but, but either way, there was a. Oh no, no, it was called. It was trafficking women. That's what it was called. Um, that, that it, is it, we made it in 2009, so you know. It, it, I think was a reason. At, at the time, it, no, nobody uh, batted an eye at that. Now, I, I don't, I, I'm sure people would, would pause. But, but the point is. The idea was you were playing characters like out of the Sopranos or Goodfellas. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't. It wasn't. You know, uh, it, it wasn't something where we were expecting that people would focus on what you're talking about. Do you know what I mean? That that's the. the, the I I figured that there would be, that would be stuff that wasn't really dealt with. Directly, well, the other aspects of it would be.
0: Do I don't know, know I mean? how realistic it is. Like again, because you you know and bet the people you game with. That yeah. You and I both do this, so like I don't I don't think any of my friends would want to do that. So what I'm really approaching there is a problem where the less you know and bet the people that you play, the more you expose yourself yeah. to that. But really, you don't need you don't need the excuse of this particular criminal activity to have. A creepy person enter your game and do creepy stuff but,
1: no no so. and, that, and that's I was thinking something similar as you were talking there's a certain type of play I think we're both worried about a certain type of player that might be present when these things are in play and that type of player is that sort of player who would sort of take glee in either inflicting this on NPCs or on other players when it's obviously making other players uncomfortable or something. Do you yeah, know
0: what I mean? Nasty serial killer players. And yeah. like, it's weird, but like, yeah, you encounter them in the hobby. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the, the thing is, and I think this is the important thing, if you know how to vet, and it's a skill you need to get as a game master, you won't be dealing with those people because they self-identify. The, the second they want you to describe the torture scene you know it's time for them to leave now
1: yeah or you can put the brakes on it if you have a player like that you can just say you know i'm not i'm I'm not not you know i don't i don't want to do that um in a lot of cases they'll leave yeah because
0: it's that kind of player in my experience and i've had enough experience unfortunately with this in the midwest that like i like you can kind of smell them like they're not just looking for the game. They're looking for the game master. They can leverage to make that game happen. Like they're smelling the weakness in the people at the table. Like that's, they're, they're victimizing people basically. And you, you got to vet for that. Don't let yourself be a victim.
1: Well, I mean, yeah. And and again, it, 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 it's a, it's a social situation. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, I don't know. I I I'm of the mind that like you know this is all pretend. I wouldn't I wouldn't use the word victim in this situation for myself. You know, like I would I, I would I, I just think that's somebody who I don't want at the table. Do you know what I mean? And so right. Well, you know, here's the
0: thing: you aren't the kind of person that gets victimized, though. Neither am I. But there are people that do. Okay. People that just don't have that kind of stone that stoniness right at the core, where they're like, hey, you know what? No, buddy, get the hell out. They don't have that. And that person is the is the prey of this particular kind. No, of
1: No, no, no. I get that. I get. That. I guess what I'm saying though is that this is ultimately pretend. Do you know what I mean? So like, yeah. it's not like well, it's, not it's not like the person's like. Vic- to me, victimized would be the person came in and punched me in the face, or they, or they, or they they came to your to your house and they well, trashed really your. I
0: think I think we actually have a difference of opinion there because I agree with you. I mean, I do agree with you in that, yeah. but I also like if you're in a social situation and you don't have the tools, like the social tools, like you and I have to just get out of it. Like you just, it doesn't, you don't find the ability to stand up and leave when you're so uncomfortable. You don't want to be in anymore. and so you're kind of forced to be there. That's victimization in my estimation. Like, you just don't like that's, that's taking someone who is incapable of asserting themselves in that kind of situation and forcing them to be in an uncomfortable situation.
1: Well, but they're kind of doing it to themselves. Like, it's 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 I mean it's social discomfort do you know what I mean it's not it's not it's It's
0: not not a physical
1: barrier yeah it's not I mean again I mean there are certain situations it it depends on the specifics because obviously certain things could be going on at the game that are taking it to the level of victimization I just would think that uh, if it's if it's just discomfort then to me that's that's I mean that's not not a positive thing and I could say, it might make them upset, but I think that it's it's you, I think I think if you kind at a certain point you kind of do it to yourself. Do you know what I mean? If you're
0: oh yeah, do well, you know what I'm
1: saying? Like the insidious thing
0: about it is that like you can always give it's it, it, the thing is it is easy to give the advice of like look you're either you're in one of two uncomfortable situations, right? You're either uncomfortable because you're leaving awkwardly you don't know how to do that with grace or with assertiveness or you're uncomfortable because you're sitting there like squirming, having to deal with this guy, describe something hideous happening and you don't want to deal with that. And in either case, like there's not really like you can always say like, well, why didn't you just stand up? And it's like, well, the the fact is if you get to a certain level of social malfunction, you, you really are forced to stay there. And like, I'm, I am talking. Oh no, about...
1: no, I get that. But I guess what I'm saying is it's, to me, it's still, like, when, I don't know, It's we're talking about language, but, like, yeah, there, we're, we're, some, we're talking about a situation where nobody's this. really aware that that's going on in that person's yeah. head, right? Like, that's the thing. As is, far there's, as there's there, this, Yeah. No one's aware
0: of what's going on. Yeah. I think this, though, this thing I'm talking about here, I think this is where people are trying to introduce, like, the X card stuff. Which, by the way, that seems to have blown over. Like, that was a huge deal for, like, all of a week. Now everyone's like, yeah, whatever. X card, big deal. Yeah, I, um, I mean I, I, I think that's where that, that thinking comes from where like if you just don't have the tools I, at least you can put a card on the table I
1: mean I can sympathize with people being upset and uncomfortable I guess where I kind of come maybe I'm older and, and I just have a different you viewpoint but, but like my view is I don't think people should do things people, I, I think people should avoid ideas and habits that make them weaker like over time do you know what I mean and and I'm yeah. not saying that it's, it's easy to get up and, and get away in all those cases Or whatever But I, I think, like but I think like what we're kid. I feel like we're kind of reinforcing <laughs> Behavior that's going to make people Weaker over time And make them feel more uncomfortable over time Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'd rather that, that, encourage I think I think people
0: to against The X card that wins in my mind Is okay sure You got out of that one awkward social situation With your X card What if they didn't give a shit about the X card? What if they didn't care?
1: Well that's And that's what I'm saying I, I think you use it every Like what are you going to use it, I
0: start a job interview what, what if you're giving customer service To someone And they start yelling at you You're going to throw up a card And be like Look, Respect my X card So No You need to develop the tool That allows you
1: to assert yourself so, You know Well and, 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 and I guess all I was trying to say Was that I, I think that Sometimes some of this stuff Just sort of leads you down a road where you start to think you can't do anything, do you know what I mean? And and I think that it's better to get people to realize, even if it takes time, that they can do something. you know what I mean? I am always more in favor of making somebody stronger rather than weaker. Um, I mean, and so that, this is part of your personality that I
0: find very, um, very. It's it's good in a way that's not just redemptive. It's the only thing to redeem really, but it's almost like. It redeems the very spirit of humanity, knowing that you have that kind of attitude. I like that. I like that sort of uh, the core outlook you have. Always, I find it admirable. There's the word I'm looking for. It's, it's an admirable attitude. Okay. Yeah,
1: I'm not a redeemer, so I think admirable is <laughs> probably better than...
0: Uh... No, 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 redemption is what was in my head. I think that the, 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 it's because of the, the subject matter of this movie. There's not redemption in it exactly, uh, but I think the movie would agree with you. So when you think about it, Like this isn't really a movie about uh, about emotional comfort.
1: No, uh, no, and I think... And it's that's not. kind of the it's kind of the point of the movie is the discomfort's actually good in a way it's kind of important it makes the movie work it, you know it's not for everybody but I think having those kind that kind of entertainment can be useful because um, this is an extremely cathartic movie by the time it gets to the end and a very you know and 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 mood to the mood of the movie by the end is amazing you know there's there's a there's there's just a um, you know but you don't get there without that discomfort along the way you need the entire
0: fabric of this movie it really works together it's a beautifully crafted machine it 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 is and i've never seen a movie that does exactly what it does like i said i've compared it to other movies like i spit on your grave but it's classier than i spit on your grave and it has a stronger emotional resonance i compared it to kill bill but it's less campy than kill bill you know, it's got a poetry to it. A beauty he takes to
1: it. He takes it very seriously. Again, I think it can. It's encapsulated in that opening scene. That really tells you everything you need to know about what this director is trying to do, and what he's trying to capture. And you know, it's 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 a very striking. It's just something about the cinematography and the way that that scene is shot. Is uh, it's it's just a gorgeous scene. And I think that, uh, you know. The the, the the film is I don't know it, it it's I, I just find it a very moving and uh compelling watch I, I think that uh uh it's it's just one of those you know like, like there's a few films out there this one the bride with white hair uh swordsman okay. 2 would probably be another um come drink with me there's just some movies that just kind of have this impact on me when I see them you know it's just like it was just like, wow, this is different I mean This this feels like a different kind of film Yes, um, yes very much uh,
0: 100% agreement with me And here's the thing about this movie uh, That you can take into your gaming world Is that this movie gives you a really good way Of introducing that heavier subject matter Into a game By showing you, not telling you How to cut away and win But how to preserve yeah. the emotional impact And give the situations their proper gravity That's a very useful thing To put into games
1: yeah, no, I, I would agree with that um, So we're at the 40 minute mark And it's after midnight So we're going to have to end it we, here I'm
0: about to turn back into a pumpkin So I can I can tell I'm already going, getting, getting all viney You yeah. have to run away from the fall Or else, of course, the prince will know That you are indeed Cinderella wow. uh, So after midnight is what happens I just have I to get up at five to uh, take my depending uh, pills on, so. <laughs> Depending on how much we actually got recorded hint,
1: Well, we got 40 <laughs> minutes so we only we missed that us. first bit. If we got lost, any? Um, okay, that's good. So, I, mean, no, I think we nailed this one. This was one of our better ones. Yeah, we're we're back, baby. Well, we got into some controversial territory, and I don't know mm. how well we navigated it. But well, you know, we'll see when we when we uh, when we post uh, it up. We uh, nailed this one. We we, we should court. I don't think either you or I are very well equipped to. Determine whether we nailed something Or not <laughs> We nailed it, we I, think, it. I, I, I think we I, I never know how this stuff is going to land When we put it out So, um.
0: Was I actually
1: Drunk and high when
0: I did yeah. this yeah. I leave it to you to decide no, We've
1: never uh, it's, it's, Well I don't know about you but I've never been Drunk or high when I've done podcasts <laughs> I'm just um.
0: slowly moving a bong Towards my lips yeah me neither <laughs> <laughs> but,
1: uh, I mean, I'm not opposed to it if people require that to to just to so they can that. ruminate. Oh, yeah,
0: but, yeah, I'm totally sober. Yeah, I'm just like snorting I actually,
1: I can't. Eat, I, my pills, I can't even drink with my medication. So it'd be it would be physically impossible for me to to be drunk while podcasting.
0: Yep, <laughs> sober as a judge. <laughs> I, I went so, heroin to Jack Daniels, and it still seems like an upgrade. What was that? I like how I went. My joking went from heroin to Jack Daniels, and Jack Daniels does seem like a progression. That stuff as hard, man. Jack anyway. Daniel-
1: <laughs> I I I had a very terrible experience with whiskey when I was young, and I I cannot a
0: terrible experiences with whiskey. It's whiskey.
1: Well, <laughs> I just good. I just no, but just like, like w- when it comes to hard alcohol, the smell of whiskey that that sour smell that whiskey has will just I'll I'll want to throw up the moment I smell it. You know, it's, it's vodka. Like, I was always fine. Like gin. Gin was actually my drink of choice when I when you know when I was able to drink. Um, but but uh, well, you don't like gin. Uh eh,
0: it's, it's not. It's not. My, it's not for me. It's like vodka, and then I just I don't want to drink it. I I, I like Jack Daniels, um, even though it's wretched. There's something about it that seems honestly wretched. It might just be something. My,
1: my dad's really into bourbon, so like you know he he's always it's, drinking stuff
0: like that. But I, I,
1: just, I just It's got too much flavor for me Too much flavor
0: There's a lot going on with bourbon yeah. Like Jack Daniels is just basically like drinking Pain and fire And a little bit of oaky aftertaste It's Jack Daniels you know? and It's just
1: that that sourness I don't know It just, it just hits me oh. in a space I, I just can't You know It was
0: Remember the movie Top Secret, where chocolate moose gives gives the guy a drink? And he's like, "What is this?" He's
1: like, "Gasoline." Yeah, just, I do remember. Yeah. I was, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about that movie the other day. Actually, I was, I was thinking about it. Um,
0: underrated gem. Uh, so, in The DVD commentary of that the uh, the creators say that at the time of that DVD, it had still yet to turn a profit. I was like, "That's my favorite aspect of this movie."
1: That's that's pretty
0: remarkable,
1: actually, <laughs> especially given how many people know that film and have seen it and quote it, and you know. So.
0: Here's a problem, and here's why it wasn't uh, it didn't turn a profit. Whereas uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail did. Monty Python and the Holy Grail didn't have any star power at all. It was just like when Graham Chapman is your lead. You don't really have star power. You get Val Kilmer in. Well, all of a sudden you got. But wasn't that pick-
1: Val Kilmer's first or second movie?
0: It was, but he's—he he's, had a good agent.
1: <laughs> so, but but either way, it was st- it was still kind of a bigger budget movie either, and and also it had uh, what's his name? It wasn't Omar Sharif in uh, Top Secret. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, it was actually a decent amount of star power in that movie. I, that's not the draw for me. I mean, I love that Kilmer's in it. He actually does a great job. Uh, he's
1: like a little nascent proto Batman, but oh my god, it's. It, now I gotta
0: watch Top Secret I, It's
1: funny, I always associate Val Kilmer The two roles I associate him with are Jim Morrison And uh, Mad Mardigan from Willow um, Oh yeah, he was Mad Mardigan, wasn't hmm? he? Yep God, How long ago did I watch Willow? It came out in like 88, I think Probably my third
0: favorite George Lucas movie ever made I'd say about third, maybe fourth yeah,
1: yeah, I saw that I saw that in the theater when it came out And I, uh, I so So, so that you know, those are the movies that I kind of... remember and, and what was the other one he was in? Um, uh, was it Real Genius? Was that the movie he was in?
0: I don't remember that one.
1: And uh, and he was Top Gun. He was in Top Gun too. He was. I remember Top Gun. Who was in Eyes Wide Shut? Was that Tom Cruise? That was a Tom Cruise movie.
0: Okay, I always get those two confused. At a certain point in their career, they're identical in my brain. I don't know why.
1: They they really look different.
0: I I know it, it's, it's because it's of Top, top Gun. I'll bet it's top
1: because top of Top, top Gun. gun.
0: Oh it is Top Gun isn't it Yeah yeah. they cross pollinated there in my brain Okay Because I mean they were cross pollinating in that movie If you know what I mean (laughs) (laughs)
1: It's been a long time since I've seen Top Gun
0: (laughs) That's the movie that made me realize I was like I'm not all the way straight am I I'm not I'm not sir Neither of these dudes (laughs) It's a good movie though
1: Well in the 80s there was a lot of films that You know focused well, on, on the male he... a lot of things about other young men. <laughs> what was that I
0: don't dare repeat that okay, okay. I, I'm, am I here if, 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 I I've, again, I've but, probably
1: mentioned this before but I'm like pretty much deaf in my left ear so I'm always asking him to repeat things in these podcasts um, so much fun so You're I'll, just I'll just have, have to listen stuff to stuff. the podcast yeah. to find out what you just said so so anyways we really should end it here because I gotta I gotta get to bed um We're so hey, goodnight everyone. Alright, right, so so we'll be back. Hopefully we will have an episode of Woosha Weekend up soon too. I know I've been really lazy about doing these podcasts. So you should see what this guy's been cranking out though. He's got some really great products in the works. Just wait for it. So so yeah, so we will be back on and until then we will talk to you later.